Hi everyone, welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Library podcast. Today we are discussing co-living. Co-living at its core is shared housing for people with shared intentions. Think Regis, but for housing, or co-working, but co-living. It's a concept that is quickly gaining momentum. In fact, Medici Living Group, well known for its co-living brand quarters, recently raised over a billion and a half in US dollars to go after the market segment. What is co-living? What are the biggest opportunities and challenges in the market? And how do the numbers work for developers, owners, and everybody else? On this episode, we speak with the head of North American Partnerships at Medici, as well as an executive vice president at Collier's, as well as the, the president of Private Pension Partners. For those interested in multifamily and the changing nature of the asset class, this episode is for you. Uh, Before we dive in, I want to say a quick thank you to our main sponsor, KMB Law. KMB Law are corporate real estate lawyers that specialize in the acquisition, disposition, and financing of commercial real estate properties. KMB Law, KMBLaw.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Commercial Real Estate Library. I'm Damon Tamanawala. You know Garrett McGillivray, my co-host, and with us today we have Greg Gould and Don White. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Thank you it's very hard. much. For Normally we do the handshakes, yeah. but now we have four people, so it's yeah. hard to yeah, reach right. across. <laughs> um, so today we're here to discuss co-living and right. Medici. Uh, Greg is the uh, head of Canadian, head of Canada and strategic partnerships for North America at Medici, and Don White is an EVP at Collier's, uh, as well as the president of uh, Private Pension Partners. Uh, do you guys mind just introducing yourselves and a little bit about your backstory for context for uh, the folks at home? Sure. Uh, uh, my name is Greg Gould. I joined um, uh, Quarters through uh, the private equity firm W5. Uh, W5, the founder, had uh, founded Core State Capital, which is a uh, real estate investment management firm based in Frankfurt uh, with $30 billion in assets under management. Uh, and uh, his, uh, his uh, initial impression, they, Core State was the largest developer of uh, student housing in Europe. And he had started developing student housing when it was not an asset class. Right. Um, and we came across co-living and he said, gee, this feels a lot like student housing. Yeah. Um, in, in a couple of ways. One, the format, um, and then secondly, the fact that it was a, an asset class that hadn't been truly discovered yet. And so um, my job was to look at all of the co-living operators uh, around the globe and figure out which one or ones we would invest in. Uh, so I had a great opportunity to spend about a year and a half looking at the entire co-living sector. Um, and we finally invested in quarters for a bunch of different reasons. and. Uh, we can talk about that later. Uh, but then I came over to help accelerate the growth. And we've, over the last uh, nine months, uh, we've uh, brought in uh, a lot of uh, senior talent to expand the the, uh, the operations globally. Uh, and so we're, I think, at a great inflection point now where the systems are in place, the infrastructure's in place, uh, and we've got uh, now uh, legs on the ground in, um, or feet on the ground in 45 cities across the globe right. to, uh, to look for opportunities in co-living. It's very exciting, and yeah. and and you guys, for context, you guys have raised a bit of money recently. Yes, as well. so we raised about a billion and a half dollars in uh, funding. Uh, that is to help developers or landlords to develop properties to help accelerate our growth. Right. 
And that's a global raise, correct? Yes. Yeah. It's, well, it's focused on Europe and the U.S. But, yeah. Uh, and uh, Canada as well. Yeah. Uh, and, and Don, what about you? Well, you know, we're the, we're the part of this equation. Uh, I got to meet Greg uh, through our private pension partners business. So I have been an investment broker at Collier's for 25 years and continue to do that. Uh, but back in 08, we started this little boutique asset management firm called Private Pension Partners that invests in multifamily, commercial, really as a means to consolidate some broker interests that I had in buildings and, and really set and establish a platform for investing in, in real estate. Uh, spent 13, 14, 15 years uh, selling it to people and seeing them make money and thought it was best to try to amalgamate a system that allowed us to do that. So how I got to meet Greg, we do have a local partner associate here. His name's George Marcus. He uh, runs a consulting firm called Synergy Point Alpha. And as part of our mandate growing our capital base and looking for unique ways to invest in cities like Toronto and Vancouver, uh, George was able to connect uh, Medici with our firm. Uh, so really it's a, it's a tangential and it's sort of a two-pronged approach. The Collier's network will leverage uh, uh, the system and help Greg find opportunities which he can become a tenant of and we'll explain in a minute. Uh, well, at the same time, P3's got the development and the asset management expertise to carry on uh, owning those buildings or helping other landowners um, find the right uh, structure with, with Medici and their entry points into Canada. That's, that's really exciting. Yeah. I, uh, and, you know, this is, you're, you're where <laughs> I want to be, so this is really exciting. <laughs> um, uh, so uh, just for a little context, not everybody knows about, you know, people have heard about co-working, especially recently. Uh, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> what have you heard? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but can you explain a little bit about co-living and, and why, even, for instance, why it's different than student housing? That's a really big question I have. Uh, yeah. So um, we, we spent a lot of time, uh, in, in fact, the founder of uh, uh, Core State and the owner of the private equity firm W5 uh, spent a lot of time developing student housing um, in his former life. Um, there are a lot of elements uh, that are similar between student housing and co-living, uh, not to mention that the demographic is similar, but the idea is to have uh, a higher density, smaller format uh, living groups, um, and then to provide uh, a co cost of living that is much more reasonable <laughs> for, or affordable for people living in cities. Everyone wants to live in cities now, um, but the, the difficulty is, as we know, especially in Toronto, the high cost to, mm -hmm. to do so. So um, in, with co-living, the, the similarity with, with uh, student housing is the, the smaller bedrooms, uh, but where it's different, and I think this is a really, really important point, um, we overlay a whole level of technology for convenience and ease of use, um, but even more importantly is the community aspect. Um, and and uh, this part cannot be under, uh, underestimated because this is what, uh, the, the technology helps make uh, living there more convenient, but the community is what draws people in and uh, makes them stay. Right. Uh, and there are all sorts of studies uh, today that millennials, uh, who, who are the primary target market we target, um, are lonely. Uh, and they move to a new city, they don't have any friends, uh, and uh, this is a way to immediately plug into uh, a vibrant community where people uh, are uh, excited to see you, um, you can make friends easily, and um, you, can, uh, you can continue to grow those relationships. Right. And Greg, at one of your buildings, tell the quick story, wasn't there in one weekend there was two weddings? So if you want to differentiate between student housing 
and these communities. It, it, that's a pretty incredible story. Yeah, and, and, and it's, it's not just the, the weddings, but yeah. another one is uh, 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 new business creation. There are two, uh, two different businesses that were formed in one of our co-living groups in, uh, in, uh, Frank, uh, in Berlin uh, where they're now raising money. Uh, they're going through fun, uh, fundraising. So it, it, this community has lots of different aspects. There's the, the, the business side, there's the social side, uh, and then we find out that uh, many of these people, even after they, if you will, graduate from co-living, are still hanging out in the communities where they started. And um, I think one thing that's important about Quarters is we're already global. We're in the US and in Europe, uh, and we offer the ability for uh, members to move from city to city. And as that network gets bigger, um, you'll see more, uh, not just moving f on a permanent basis, but uh, temporary stays. And this is something that enriches the community even more. Yeah. So what do you mean by temporary stays? Oh, uh, you know, uh, I'm going to be in, uh, let's say I, I have a, a project in uh, Toronto for three months, mm -hmm. and I live in Berlin. So I'll have the opportunity uh, someday to, to be able to come here for three months and then mo uh, move my lease back to Berlin when it's uh, time okay. to go home. Just to transfer between yeah, yeah. the same quarters building. Okay. Yeah, and, and this will happen as the network gets bigger and yeah. there are more rooms available. Um, yeah. But today, we have people moving between our cities and, uh, on a permanent basis. Okay. Yeah. How, has this been attractive at all to like even the more senior end of the market? Because like, there's lots of seniors communities where so, you know, seniors like to hang out together and do yeah, this type of thing. The biggest problem we have in co-living right now is to stay focused. Yeah. Because there's so many different opportunities. Yeah. Um, but on our list of to-dos is uh, uh, corporate housing, short-term housing, yeah. um, active adult housing, mm. and um, uh, workforce housing. So there's so many different ways that you can slice, uh, slice the, uh, the living group and the community aspect. Yeah. Um, over time, we hope to expand into those as well. This is okay. The co-living opportunity is too big to ignore if you look at all the different potential growth uh, opportunities. Yeah, yeah, got it. Uh, and, and just speaking to that, so you know, raising over a billion dollars to really go out and, and aggressively expand, quickly expand, uh, can you talk a little bit to the ownership structure, how you guys are uh, developing space, building out space, and, and how, you're, how you, the growth is gonna happen? Yeah, so uh, that's, a, that's a great question. We are an asset, uh, asset light business. Uh, but we need development partners and landlords to accelerate uh, that growth. So we will sign a 10-year uh, uh, master lease and then with two five-year follow-on renewals. Um, but we need somebody else to actually build or renovate the properties before uh, we take them uh, under a lease. And we actually work with the developers um, from uh, as soon as we can uh, or we're able to, to help um, to optimize the layouts. And the, the earlier we get into, two things, the earlier we get into uh, the design process, at number one, and number two, the more willing the landlord or developer is uh, willing to optimize for co-living, the returns can be significantly higher than if we mm. just uh, moved into a traditional uh, building. But the improvements in return, which is uh, both uh, a function of higher density resulting in higher revenue, but also us assuming uh, a lot of the property management costs, uh, the improvement to the return for the landlord can be somewhere between 20 and 50 percent. And this model is really uh, changing the wow. entire landscape of owning apartment buildings. Yeah. 25 years ago when I started selling them, uh, the reality was you could rent an apartment in your sweatpants 
and it didn't matter because there was very little vacancy and there was really no thought. And I think that rent controls and a lot of other things have kept uh, the rental markets in Canada depressed because there's no incentive to invest in them. Companies like Medici and their quarters brand, they're changing the whole dynamics of this because think about an entity like this that's got a billion dollar plus balance sheet, they're coming into a country like Canada and we want to be here and we'll sign a lease. It, it's almost like a strip bond where you're taking away the active management part and you're giving it to them. They make the spread between these densified rents and we as developers and through my role at P3, when you find buildings, it's really just about building uh, an asset that's flexible, accommodates their densification. But at one point, if this whole co-living experiment didn't work, there is conversion potential back to it. And so right. the best thing about working with Greg and his team so far is if you engage with them early, uh, you really get a sense as to the type of buildings they need, the amenity spaces they need, how things work. But they really, as Greg said, being asset light, they really put all the onus back on the development community. And so for real estate owners in Canada, introducing their brand here is a big thing because the way you lease your apartment buildings could change. And think about it. If you found the right site in the right location, um, you could have your entire leasing program done with one signature. And then professional teams like Greg's come in and take over that property. And they run it. I was at their asset in Chicago. They run it impeccably. They've got top-notch uh, community people on site. I'm, I don't remember what they were called, yeah, but community uh, manager, yeah, community yeah. managers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, pretty incredible setup. So you know how Greg will grow his brand in, in Canada, and, and we're going to try to help them is really by three ways. It's going to be uh, large block leasing of existing mm -hmm. assets. Problem with markets like Toronto, Vancouver, and really most major markets in Canada is there aren't large blocks of vacancies to be had. Uh, the second way is through new development, and you know that will come in low to mid-rise sites because uh, it's, these are not four or five hundred unit buildings yet. They might be, and the other might be through some failed condominium uh, acquisitions where if that market gets ahead of themselves and there's blocks of space and the buildings fit the, the Medici program and the quarters profile, right. that doesn't also appear to be looking like that's going to happen anytime soon in a city like Calgary. Sorry, like Toronto. So we've got a lot of work to do, but there, we saw a couple of opportunities yesterday, uh, and their footprint is just changing the way leasing works uh, because they come in, and again, the majority of your building or all of your building can be full from day one. So it really, my point is, it's really a true partnership. Open book basis, understanding what values here are in the cities that they want to expand into because their brand wants to be primarily initially in Canada anyways, in Toronto and Vancouver. Uh, they'll look elsewhere but it's really finding the right landlord partnership. So I think once this gets moving, they're gonna be a great tenant to have because in all of real estate, your tenant is your customer. And if you can look after them and you can look after each other in a fair and balanced relationship. Mm. Uh, and that's the thing, one of the things with Medici I've been so impressed with and the whole quarters brand is looking for that collaboration, which is very different than 10 years ago when you were leasing your apartment. You just kind of went, okay, you look good enough and you pass the credit score. This is right. not, a one-off this is a big machine yeah yeah and I, I think uh, also just um, the fact that we can outsource pretty much the entire solution for the landlord means it's a lot less hassle for them so we take on the leasing it's not a big deal here but, but we handle the vacancy and occupancy issues and the pricing and all that, all that stuff so uh, and and we uh, take on most of the operating expenses so right. the landlord uh, gets a guaranteed check um, without the hassle of having to run the business the building 
just from that end, how do you guys negotiate the lease? Do you think look at it as if it were to be rented as like a traditional apartment building, and then you sort of have some form of guarantee of like, okay, we'll pay you X amount of that, or? Yeah, um, great question. You know, uh, we approach this uh, in a way that we have to offer something to the landlord, and we have to offer something to the tenant. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we have to figure out if we can, uh, if that business makes sense for us. So, yeah. so the landlord, we ha- we uh, we pitch that we can improve their return, uh, and especially because co living is newer, um, uh, that you have to offer something that would get the landlord to listen. So uh, our goal is to improve the, uh, the the revenue by at least ten or twelve percent. Um, if it's a brand new building, it can be uh, compared to a traditional layout, and we're able to design it optimally. The return, the uh, improvement in revenue could be higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the la- the tenant, we offer uh, a price that's you know twenty to twenty five percent cheaper than a traditional uh, studio. Right. Um, and we offer what's I think also important is I mentioned the community aspect, but we also offer a great a class A building, a great new product, so that um, you know if you look at how many. Well, when I moved to New York, um, uh, my dad built a wall. There, we took a two-bedroom apartment. That we built a wall in the, the living room, and the third guy, the, the less lucky guy, got that, yeah. that bedroom. This is an institutionalized way of offering that with a great product and a fun place to live. Can you? So I, so I think we should circle back on cap rates and invest. You know, the investment aspect and the expansion uh, in a moment. Can you talk about the? Uh, how the consumer feels about the experience and like, what is it like? You know, are the bedrooms 400 square feet? Are they 200 square feet? How are the common areas? Why is it so differentiated? Well, um, the uh, the bedrooms are sort of standard size bedrooms, so somewhere around 100 to 150 square feet. Okay. They will vary depending on the the country and the city and the expectations. So, um, bedrooms are smaller in Germany than they would be in uh, L.A. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So, um, no one cares about a car in in uh, Berlin. People do in L.A. So we have to build in the parking spaces and, and things like that. Um, so there's a lot of local market uh, customization, but we try. We have our specific design guidelines uh, about what the best format is to generate the highest return, and then we alter that based on the city and the developer uh, requirements. Okay, but it, it, is it typically? Are, are you typically having like a four bedroom, five bedroom? Is there any sort of? Um, I'm just trying to understand as it relates to traditional multifamily. Yes. How does it, so you know that's uh, that's a good question. What we found, um, uh, we we do have uh, between two and up to five uh, beds per unit. Um, and if we look at maybe a traditional two bedroom, that could become a three or four bedroom, depending on how it's laid out. Uh, adding demising walls. We want to be careful that not too many people share a bathroom, so it doesn't get too messy. Um, mm-hmm. And then we also um, worry about. Um, you know how many people should be in a in a an apartment um, and our experience and this is one of the things that uh, I think is uh, really differentiates us we've been in business for almost eight years in co-living so and in uh, Europe and in the US so we we have a lot of uh, experience with all of the you know like the property management stuff but then the co-living stuff like how many personalities could you have in an apartment and run it smoothly? Mm-hmm. Um, so we find that no more than five uh, bedrooms 
is uh, optimal. Somewhere in the three to five beds per unit is is good. The bigger the unit, if you had, you know, for example, ten bedrooms, then the 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 group can become more insular. They don't hang out with everybody else in the community. We want to draw people out of their their bedrooms and their apartments and into the community because that's where the fun is. Because everybody watches TV together. They all watch the Game of Thrones <coughs> together. We, our community events, 40 to 60 percent of the residents will come to each one. And wow. I, I bring I bring that up because uh, I lived in New York for a long time. We had common areas in my building. No one ever used them, and I never knew my. Uh, my uh, my uh, neighbors. Right. In fact, in this 250 unit building I lived in, I knew three people. So this is a completely it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a completely different way high. of living. But uh, you want people to come out of their their units and have fun. Uh, you also, if you have a large unit, um, it's hard for that new person to come in, right? If there's 10 people or nine people and you're the tenth one, it's a little intimidating. If you're in a group of three, four, five, it's a lot more manageable. Right. So in, in terms of this self-contained or three, four, five, it's just like the three, four, five bedrooms, a small common space and a bathroom type of thing? Well, yeah. So two or three bathrooms. Yeah. So okay. we, we aim bathrooms. for two beds for every one bathroom. And okay. then we customize based on location, too. So in, in Europe, you might have more sharing. Yep. In New York, you'd have more sharing. Uh, here, probably less. And in California, less, too. There are there are uh, kitchens in every unit. Yes, every unit okay. has a kitchen. Okay. Yeah, you can you can do everything that you can do in a regular apartment in your apartment. You know, cook, um, yeah. watch TV, that sort of thing. But then you go outside for the fun. Okay. And when we were in, for example, in Chicago, uh, touring the building, we ran into those. You know, there's a lot of uh, tablet phone first sort of behavior in the world today but yep. uh we are up in the common area the living room so it's a beautifully decorated living room pool table kitchen you know these are these you know decks outside decks and these two young men were sitting there and they were uh they instantly engaged with us uh, mm. and when when i asked them what they loved about living there and what made it different than student living one of the young guys said student living and, and student housing is where you go to study and you go to school I live here because I want to live and I want to meet people mm -hmm. and I want to get engaged. And these two guys, sure enough, one was from Europe, one was from Atlanta, I think, or something. Yeah. And, and you could see they had this bond and they'd only been living there for about a month. So that's the big difference. You know, you sleep and you, you know, maybe eat late in your, in your suite, in your room, but you live in the building. Right. So it's the type of tenant that is yeah. differentiated. Yeah, I, part of it is self-selecting because the people that get into co-living understand that they're going to be sharing something. If it's not the bathroom, they're sharing a, a big living space. Right. Um, but uh, you had mentioned before different types of people, and we have in uh, our average age is around 28, as you'd expect. But we have folks that are in their 40s, and they want to live there because it's still an exciting place to live instead of going back to a quiet apartment by themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. How do you – so you guys have really um, – you mentioned technology and you guys are very experienced managers. Do you ever come across problems? Like I'm thinking about, <laughs> you know, I, I've had roommates before whom I love, but you know, I'm not even the cleanest get, you know, I'm leaving dishes out. You know, how do you deal with that kind of thing? So uh, our community managers are armed with uh, tools to, to help <laughs> uh, when I say tools, but negotiating skills, right. right. Um, to help folks, um, resolve problems. That, that's one of the factors that the community managers deal with. Um, but I think um, two things point to how 
successful we are in that. One is the occupancy rate is 98% plus. Mm-hmm. Um, the second is, um, you know, in the Chicago building, I think we had two or three people that have moved out in 18 months or had to move apartments in 18 months. Oh. So it's, it's a pretty low, uh, you know, percentage. Um, so they're, they're handling this stuff pretty well. But, you know, you, you've got, uh, what is it, you know, 70 or 80 apartments with um, 180 people in them, right? So you've got to make sure that you, mo- you monitor their uh, performance and their happiness and you deal with things before they become a problem. Yeah, because right. when you're renting a room there, you're not selecting your roommate when you go in. You're, right. you're renting a room. And that's where this, that, this management part Greg keeps speaking to is so important because mm-hmm. it's that individual's requirement to yes. try to mix and match people and make sure that if you're slightly dirty and you're slightly cleaner, you try to keep them yeah. together. No, and, and actually, that, the, there's, there's an important uh, aspect uh, to that as well. It's You can't do that with an app, right? It's not like, um, yeah. uh, are you clean or not? People are not going to say, no, I'm not clean, right? 100% so, clean. Uh, our community managers help assess uh, people to figure out who are the right fit. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, okay. you know, who, who will, you know, how, which people will uh, live well together. Yeah. Okay. It's I can. Like, yeah. I imagine that's it's like an in-house psychologist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, all right. You guys know yeah. very much. In, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. Very, very much. And when you see the fabric of these communities, um, it, this person is so vitally important. But it really works, and yeah. and 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 that's really what enables this person to get that forty to sixty percent participation at these events. So when people say, you know, is this easy to? mimic and it really is not their teams have so many years of history and experience it's uh, it's not an easy thing and do these guys live in the building too or they they don't they live nearby um but uh but they're there all the time yeah (laughs) as you would expect yeah yeah um and and just i just want to make sure we touch on this how does pricing compare to traditional multifamily in terms of a one bedroom bachelor uh you know, is there a price advantage to renting this space? Do you get free Wi-Fi? Like, how does it? Yeah, um, there are a couple of things there. Uh, number one, it has to be cheaper than a studio, a comparable studio, okay. right? Uh, because that's the, the next uh, the sort of uh, step up in uh, living option. Mm-hmm. Um, then we, uh, we go for convenience. So it's all-inclusive pricing. You get Netflix, Wi-Fi, uh, Industrial strength Wi-Fi, not the stuff you get in the hotel. Yeah, okay. you, you see one letter at a time. You remember when we had, we had the old uh, modems, um, and then it, it's fully furnished and everything. Uh, when you move in, you get linens, um, you get all the towels and the, the stuff that you need. The the uh, kitchen is fully stocked out, um, and then with the with the app, you can uh, pay your your rent. You communicate with all the other tenants with that app. You see all the events, so that becomes your your primary inter, uh, interface. But it's very convenient. It's very stable, uh, and then the product you get is a, a class A building, and it's very convenient uh, because uh, the the uh, the it's uh, furnished. So uh, and it's all inclusive pricing. Right. Who, who's buying the? <laughs> I heard this question come up at a co-living conference. That I was at. Who's buying the toilet paper? Is that you guys or is that? No, they, uh, they, they <laughs> <laughs> okay. but the, uh, you know, that, that could be a, a, an add on service in the future. Right. Um, but you no, know, they, they, they buy their own food and their own, uh, 
uh, toilet trucks. Okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> and isn't it, there's some some of the buildings have cleaning and whatnot as well? Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and and that's uh, another option for expanded services over time in unit cleaning. Okay. 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 Um, I, I want to get into some of the brokerage questions. So obviously I, I work on the multifamily team at Collier's and, uh, you know, how, how would we effectively work with you guys, um, and partnering with Don, how, you know, it, how do we, can you strategically acquire buildings at a higher price point than others? Are there, uh, you know, or what is the, if not, what is the best form of building to convert? Like, have, have you kind of looked into that stuff? Yeah. And, um, the so, so colliers can help by uh, identifying um, you know opportunities, properties, and then landlords and developers that understand co-living because those are going to be the easiest uh, conversations. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's also important colliers can help in educating uh, landlords because what the message we should get out to them is um, this is a higher return business that it is just as stable as uh, what they're used to. It's uh, a little bit more complicated to run, but we handle all that complication, right? right? So they get a, a guaranteed check every month um, with no hassle. So uh, if they get worried about, gee, what happens if co-living doesn't uh, do well? Well, it, if the operator uh, disappears, all of the rent, the leases transfer directly to the, uh, to the landlord. Um, so there's no, they don't lose uh, their, their source of revenue. Number two, the deconversion, if you want to look at it that way, is also um, the, the costs are de minimis because you'd just be de uh, removing some demising walls. Right. Um, so it's, it, um, we think it's actually lower risk because we're providing a uh, less expensive or affordable option for housing in expensive cities. Right. And to add to that, I mean, we, we all know what's happening to apartment valuations and land valuations in cities like Toronto and Vancouver, mm -hmm. uh, I would suggest it's very difficult to make sense of many rentals in this market with the type of cap rates we're seeing under 3% in some circumstances. So quite frankly, the co-living and the model that companies like Greg's are bringing to our country might be the only way you can make sense of apartment living because you have to densify the rent and you right. have to take away some expenses. And as an investor, if we can, whether it's an investment that private pension partners makes or another landlord, um, you know, we're here to help Greg get a footprint. And whether that's with deals we have or other landlords or other development sites, the pricing of land, construction costs, labor costs, and quite frankly, again, just the, the pressure on yields in a city like this, because everybody, there's a big mentality of capital and that wants to be in the city you have to push revenues and you have to bring down expenses. And that's what the co-living model does. Yeah. And so, you know, when we looked through our funds to come to uh, Toronto, and, and when you talk about the investment side, Dima, to put up your hand and say, we've got some money and would like to buy an apartment building, so what? Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're one of a thousand people <laughs> who want to do that. Yeah. You know, we met Greg through sort of a, an online LinkedIn, uh, as I said earlier, through our friend George. And the idea was, how do you come to a city and be different? Well, this is how you be different. And I think there's a bit of a stigma that these co-living buildings are so drastically different than what a normal apartment building is, and they are not. You know, right. when you look at putting up these demising walls, creating some more bedrooms and adding on some common areas, you know, again, lobby bar type uh, amenities, um, you're transforming these buildings. So the investment class is very similar. It's just rental housing. 
At the end of the day, what they will provide is, again, better revenues and lower expenses, which should drive returns because that's the business we're all in. I mean, you don't, you invest money to make money, obviously. Yeah. And actually on that return thing, I, I would probably talk about it later, but um, we have one uh, case where a building has traded uh, and it, uh, there was the, the uh, landlord uh, secured permanent funding uh, for it and there was no discount given uh, because of the co-living option. This was for a property in the U.S. So it is uh, starting and the banks were international, so U.S. and Europe. So um, there are ways to get the full value of, um, uh, of the, the co-living, higher, the higher yield from co-living. Right. I think even as, we, as, uh, as recently as a few <coughs> weeks ago, CMHC announced that they would be supporting co-living uh, as an asset class now. So that's, that's really exciting. I'm sure that yeah. will also that help. Makes, that will cause a lot of people to say, hmm, tell me more about co-living, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, yeah. CMHC, by doing that, that affordability program, they are trying to create more units in every major city in Canada. Mm -hmm. uh, and that program is incredibly attractive. Uh, the likes of First National and many other lenders are going to be able to go and pursue that type of debt for the co-living standard. And from an investment perspective, we don't think that anybody's going to be weary of a quarters co-living building. Because if you think about what they're doing, is they are creating affordability for now in this millennial tranche. But they are giving people the ability to live downtown in cool cities like Toronto, and there'll be others, at an affordable price point in a community where they can make friends and build lifelong allies and business partners. Right. That model, I think the government's going to be in support of for a long time to come. So that debt will yeah. help the deals and the deal flow because, as we said earlier, we all know how expensive land and buildings are in major Canadian cities. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, and only getting pricier too. Uh, um, and, and just one last point on that. Uh, can you speak to, you mentioned the one sale and, and financing was there, so it really helped. Uh, what, are there any experiences even overseas or wherever for the exit cap rates? Because I think a lot of the time uh, people find this idea of co-living really exciting, but then they think, you know, if it, for instance, student housing usually has a slightly different cap rate than traditional multifamily. Um, and so is that, is that something that you thought about? Is there, do you have any uh, data on that? On um, I, I don't have uh, a lot of data on that right now okay. uh, because most of our buildings have not traded Keep the land. Them. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah. They're, 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 they're too attractive. Um, but uh, look, you know, over time, cap rates probably will compress as people understand the, the value. Yeah. Um, but um, you know, there, there's too much opportunity right now. Right. And, and once you see a, a quarters uh, a deck in terms of what their preferences are for building, you really see a building. I mean, people worry about reversionary cap rates because they're thinking about reversionary value. Mm -hmm. When you actually see the physical plant of the building that a quarters brand wants, right. it really is a building of the future. And, and that's what's changing in the apartment world is we are now going to start seeing different types of buildings and yeah. different types of leasing arrangements. So. Uh, you know, as an example, at one of our properties uh, in Winnipeg, uh, we have a company that uh, leases 40% now of one of our buildings and has recently written an offer for another 40% of one that we have under construction, and they want to sign three-year rolling leases. And so the way that apartment leasing is changing and the concepts behind it, it is morphing at light speed. Right. Co-living, quarters, people like Greg, they're going to make the business better. And if you're an old landlord, uh, you know, a family that's had something 
uh, on the books for 30, 40, 50 years, uh, to a certain extent, watch out, because these buildings are smart and they're being run by very capable right. people. Yeah, and uh, one other thing that uh, is uh, probably helpful to note here, um, in new developments, we're seeing, you know, if someone's building uh, 1,000 units in Miami or in uh, San Francisco or wherever, um, they are starting to look at co-living as, uh, as a risk mitigator. So you'll have, if you look at the stack, you have uh, multifamily re uh, rental, you have condos, uh, you might have some hotel, and then this component because it's uh, a more affordable market-based solution. Right. You can. Yeah. I, I mean, I would imagine that it also adds value to the other tenants who are not even part of the co-living arrangement. If you're in the same building as that, and 200, you know, you have 200 beds that are co-living and maybe 200 beds that are general apartment. Yeah. And and uh, on that uh, f uh, front. Um, I think something really exciting is starting is starting to happen, and we are uh, at the forefront of this. Um, we just announced a, a building in Florida, uh, sorry, in uh, Washington D.C. on Florida Avenue, um, but it's a mixed co-living traditional uh, building, and we are applying okay. the community aspect to the entire building, and. Uh, it, first, that helps the co-living component because it's an exciting place to live, but it also helps for the, the traditional uh, rentals, the, the people that are in the one in the, the studios, ones and two bedrooms. Um, they get to participate in the co-living uh, community stuff. And so this is going to translate into, we think, better rents for and uh, better retention for the traditional units as well. And we're going to uh, replicate that in uh, lots of other sites. I think it's a really powerful thing to take that community thing that didn't exist in multifamily uh, mm -hmm. f for decades, right, and, and to right. turn, turn uh, create something there. Right. So speaking just from a, a lender's perspective, people look at it more like favorably. Like you're not seeing too many people balk at the concept. Like when you're trying to do these types of developments. In the in the or case where this one building did turn, and it's a a, a large one. Uh, no, they were. Um, uh, fully on board and there was no discount. Now that's okay. not always going to be the case, right? But yeah. the fact that we have uh, well, lenders- yeah, a stabilized building would be a little different because then it's like- and, hey, and Right, this was we not stabilized yet. Yeah. This is a, a new one. Um, but the fact that uh, there are lenders <coughs> in both the US uh, and uh, Europe that were willing to do this, um, I think says something. I think we've already turned the corner right uh, for that and, and remember that's where that balance sheet comes from you know someone's right. gonna <laughs> yeah. if someone's yeah. gonna build them a building or give them a chunk of suites or renovate an entire property for them the covenant becomes a great big deal and that's why mm -hmm. the uh, you know partnerships when greg said earlier about yeah. being asset light you know really he he is going to put that responsibility off on entities like ours to say go find the real estate right. go design it in a way that works for the quarter's brand and i'll lease it now, when you go through that gyrations, lenders will say, you know, show us some information on who your tenant is, mm -hmm. but that's where that balance sheet right. investment from core state is a big deal. And so from an operational side, even landlords, it's, it's just flipping this whole apartment business upside down because you have much less responsibility, obviously, if Greg and his team rents the whole building, but even if they take chunks of suites, you know, 40, 50, turn that into 80, 90 rooms, right. you know, you're transitioning from rooms to doors, right. yeah. suites mm -hmm. to doors, you know, that's the conversation you have to have. Uh, it's a wonderful injection of profitability to your bottom line. And that's where this, 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 this is just, I think, gonna have a meteoric rise in terms of success. It's, yeah, it's really exciting. And again, as you mentioned, at the end of the day, 
for those who are more timid and will become more familiar with it, with the idea, it's not too expensive to convert them back. And then you're right. You know, it's you know, we have two specific projects we're modeling right now with Greg and his team. The initial discussions with the lenders that we work with is that this concept it will be endorsed, and CMHC's yeah. recent announcement mm -hmm. obviously threw a lot of weight yeah, behind that. Um, yeah, I think you're uh, so okay. So that that brings up a good point. So uh, this is something. This is the future. Multifamily finally is going to be changing, <laughs> uh, which is which is exciting. Um, you know, we've seen uh, Dream has a has a project in Ottawa right now where they're going to incorporate co living for part of it. Um, and you know, in the U.S., the idea is a little bit ahead of where we are in Canada. Uh, can you speak to, like, you guys are leaders in this industry. Are, are you at all concerned that uh, somebody will try and replicate this model? So, yeah. and uh, I, I, well, I'm at yes in, in agreeing with the question, and no, I'm not worried about replicating the model. Um, uh, two things here. First off, this market, and this comes from uh, me spending uh, a year and a half looking at the entire sector. One of the things I love about this sector is it is so big and there's so much opportunity if any one of the co-living operators screw up, it's not because of something that one of the other competitors did. It's because they uh, they failed on their own. They they didn't have the systems or the processes or whatever to. Um, this is a market for uh, for everyone for the taking. So we lots of folks can grow, and there are going to be lots of successful companies. I just think we're uh, we're the furthest ahead. We're already the biggest, and we're going to stay the biggest and grow the fastest. But there's plenty of opportunity for everybody else. The second thing, though, is um, we uh, especially at the beginning we're talking to developers who said, oh, well, I can do this. Um, and we looked at uh, the idea of uh, how hard it would be to start one of these companies. It is very, very difficult, partly because you've got to get the technology right. right? That's a two, three, four year process. The other part is you have to experiment with one building first to figure out how it works. Right. And, and then you know, uh, how hard is it for uh, developers um, that are you know, generally around my age and, and older to market to millennials, right? <laughs> so mm -hmm. I think uh, it's, <laughs> it's- I feel like you can, I feel the connection. I don't know. I feel <laughs> bond. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm younger acting, I guess. But no, uh, but no it's, it's hard to, um, th this is a product where you just don't throw it to the leasing guys and say, hey, uh, go have fun. Right, you've right. got to you've got to have the community managers in there. They have to be the psychologists that you talked about. Mm -hmm. They have to know everybody. They have to run these things smoothly. And you don't know what you don't know until you come across it from a right. community management standpoint. And there are competitors that were developers that are getting into this. Um, and e the approach is still more um, cruise director like. So they say Mondays we do wine tasting, Tuesdays we do cooking classes, Wednesdays yoga, right? Yeah. Um, what we found, and one of the reasons why, I, another reason yeah, I a lot like, of fun. <laughs> right? what, uh, what Quarters has done better is to create organic community uh, events. So they figure out what the people who live there want to do, and they encourage them to uh, set up the event. So each community is gonna be different based on the, what mm -hmm. they like to do. Um, and so the millennials don't want to be told what to do. They, they want to be given the tools to do what they want. Um, and uh, learning how to, to that it's, it's a nuance that takes a long time to, to understand. And even if I, I tell you this now, you have to go out and create it, it's still going to take a few years to figure out how to do it. And at the same time, you're also building the facilities and you're designing the stuff. And then you have the property management. Mm -hmm. Then you have the technology. Uh, right, so the, it's a it's a multivariate equation that you have to uh, solve every day. 
Yeah, and, and even though our relationship is 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 still young, um, you know, uh, Medici, the Medici Living Group and the Quarters brand, their level of engagement with developers is something that's truly unique. They're not coming into Canada or any market they're trying to expand into and try to be lock, stock, and barrel the whole delivery chain. Um, and so good business is where everybody along the chain makes money. And our company in Winnipeg, uh, we have built close to 1,000 units now. Let me tell you that building new buildings or undertaking major redevelopment is a ton of stress and a ton of work in countries like Canada because we are an expensive place to live. The isolation increases costs, uh, so on and so forth. So my point is, is when you have a partner that says, look, you just deliver the building. You worry about all of that and right. let us take it over and we'll give you a lease for most of the units or all of the units. That is a value chain that makes a lot of sense. So the reasons can be very hard for them to be copied. It's just the way they've approached us from day one. And that is, Greg has always said, you're the real estate, either help me find it and we'll lease it, help me build it, bring it along, here's our standard. Their clarification and, and really the continuous information to help understand the brand has been incredible. And that is very difficult to, to, to copy as well. And you hit on something that's, that's really important. Uh, we're there as uh, early and as often as the developer or landlord needs at mm -hmm. the beginning, and we don't charge for that. Uh, some of the other operators will say, oh, you, you, there's this design fee, there's this architecture fee, and before you know it, it's a million dollars. So we help um, help do all of the design uh, for free, but with the with the expectation that we have the 20-year the lease. Mm -hmm. right? So it doesn't cost the developer anything up front to, uh, to work with us. Okay. Um, how are we Okay, we're getting we're getting close. So I, I just want to be cognizant of that. <laughs> right There's um, plenty to talk about in co-living. Yeah, right? That's the hard part. Um, did did you have? I have a few more uh, quick questions to rattle off. Go for it. Okay. Um, so okay, this one's not on the sheet, but it's just in the news all the time now. Uh, we work and they're crazy founder and everything. Obviously, on the other side of the spectrum, Regis is doing extremely well and very profitable. Right? Different mm -hmm. different story. But um, does that make you? think of anything about co-living? Does that have um, no, to you guys at all? What, yeah, what it does is it highlights the difference between okay. co-living and co-working, right? Co-living um, takes longer to ramp up because we can't just take any building and say, okay, we'll take it. Uh, because uh, most of the buildings, they're, they're too deep and we need windows for the bedrooms, you know, things like that. So right. we have to do either complete renovations or um, uh, new development. So it takes longer to ramp up. But the beauty about co-living is that it's, it's a stable long-term solution. We're at the lower end of the cost curve for living. And so if the economy slows, and with WeWork, uh, you know, you, you, they uh, worry that people just start going back to Starbucks or their institutional clients uh, like uh, HP or Microsoft pull that's discretionary uh, you know, spending for them. Right. Um, with co-living, um, there might be some people that, uh, that can't afford it anymore, but there are a lot more people that are gonna come, that are gonna sort of fall into this uh, less expensive option. So we are as, uh, in a wonderful position from a, from a forecasting and from a, uh, a sensitivity perspective to the economy. Right. And even when you look at the fundamentals of, say, Canadian real estate, uh, although the, the downtown GTA office market is extremely strong, uh, WeWork, Regis, those types of uh, co-working uh, places, they have a lot more opportunity to expand and grow. And so they're really expansion opportunities for mm -hmm. commercial tenants. Co-living is really de facto affordability mm -hmm. for people who don't have enough money but still want to live 
in these downtown cores. So the flow of water is completely different. Yeah. And right. you know, yeah. co-working, you're pushing. Uh, co-living, just wait. If yeah. things in the recession, if the economy goes uh, in a different direction, it's gonna be a huge benefit to this platform. And we all know that rents in every major city in the world are not going down. Mm. Right. <laughs> Speaking on the affordability front, do you guys get any incentives from the cities that you, you do these projects in? No. No, no we, they uh, don't give you anything? No, and uh, we, uh, we try to be um, just sort of work within the, the confines of, you know, okay. obviously what, what's required by every city. Um, and then uh, we, just, we just focus on our pure business, not with the, the governments. Okay. Um, you have anything? Um, nothing that would surprise you. The, the bedrooms are bigger. Um, the common areas are pr probably have a little bit more uh, co-working aspect to them. Or, you know, there's places where you can sit and be a little bit more quiet. Um, maybe, you know, because uh, we have more new development in North America, um, there are some more interesting or cool features like dog runs on the roof, you know, um, fire pits in Chicago or, you know, and, and barbecue. So, so some of the, because they're newer buildings, but that's probably because it's a new building, not location. But is there, is there a bit more a push for more washrooms in North America? Yeah, um, there, there is more uh, push. Some of that is sort of um, uh, philosophical right, right now, but, um, you know, in, in places where you'd expect, like in, on the West Coast, there's an expectation for additional what? bathrooms. In Miami, the what? same thing. Is that because people in North America eat more? Is that what that is? Or? No, they, they just want their own bathroom. Okay. Yeah, so, right. so there's... A lot more privacy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. right. You're alone time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of millennials moving out of very nice houses, and, and they're probably all used well, to having them. Yeah. And actually, uh, when we talked at the very beginning about student housing, um, a lot of the student housing now has uh, have their own ensuite baths, so mm -hmm. you don't want to come out of college and then into a, a shared bath. Right. Yes. Right. But again, in, in higher cost cities like New York City or Chicago, people say, "Okay, I'll make the trade off because it's less expensive." Right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, okay. R wrapping this up, uh, you guys are expanding all across North America. Do you have any targets that you're trying to hit over the next year or so? Um, well, so, so right now we have uh, almost 3,000 beds uh, that are uh, in the process of being leased. 2,000 of them are fully leased now. We've got another almost 7,000 in backlog between the U.S. and Europe. Wow. And uh, a pipeline of uh, uh, north of 50,000 beds that we're chasing. We're, in th uh, we're looking for properties in 13 cities in North America uh, and 45 uh, between the U.S. and Europe. And we plan to expand into Asia next year. So, you know, we've got That'd a... Be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a big to-do list. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, then... Yeah, I think that's... The good. final... Okay, so... Well, okay, so we... How are we going to do the final one? Are they both going to One and one. Okay. One and one. Um, so, this is a question that uh, is there not... You, a, I'll, you have, like, glitter on your face. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay. Thanks, okay. thanks for telling me. At the end of the interview. When yeah, we're already <laughs> Good. Okay. Uh, so uh, this is a final question. It's not on the uh, question sheet, but uh, it's called the three truths. 
Um, and we haven't done it with two people before. But anyway, so three truths. Uh, so imagine years from now, um, you know, it's 100 years from now. You've, you've grown. You're, you're, you're surrounded by your family. You're surrounded by all the people who Neither love you Greg nor friends. I will be here in 100 years. Modern medicine. <laughs> modern medicine. Well, I, I do live I in Miami, are, so I'll, I'll have great-looking skin yeah, by then, right? Yeah. It'll be a lot tighter than it yeah. is now. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. but, for, but for whatever reason, it's your last day, and you had this wonderful life, and everybody's around you who loves you. Um, but for whatever reason, everything that you've ever written, every book you've ever written, every interview you've ever done is, has been erased. Uh, and you only have... Uh, one short note to write to the people who love you and who care about you to how to live your life or how to how to lead you know your your life. Uh, so what would you put on that note? Well, I, I'm, I'll just talk about the, the the one relevant to this, you know, because my family is the most important thing uh, to me. But um, what's really exciting about this is creating something new, uh, creating a, uh, a new way for people to live or create something new that people want and are going to enjoy and is going to be useful and this is uh, co-living is is that kind of product uh or opportunity and so i'm actually happy uh to be part of some, something where we're creating a new way to to live cool and yeah, i would you know i would just say as i've always kind of run my life is uh you know be open to, to new relationships and trust um right. you know all good things in life they tend to have a lot more risk. Uh, you know, sometimes you got to put your hand up in the air. And how I met Greg was, uh, you know, through the, George was a, it was really a, a, an interesting uh, path. But here we are. And so, uh, you know, here's a guy from Winnipeg who's trying to make his mark on the Canadian real estate scene. And be open and true and humble to yourself. Work hard, but trust. And I really do trust that this co-living concept like many others in commercial and multifamily real estate, it is really changing the way we all live yeah. and work. I think North America is probably under demolished, not overbuilt. Mm. And some of these concepts that are really tech driven, um, you know, the truth would be to my family, I, I had a lot of fun, I tried some new things, but I trusted good people. And I think this is a good company and Greg's got a great vision, they collaborate. And if we work hard together, uh, but hopefully in the next few years, we've got thousands of beds to talk about in Canada. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and if on your last day you are talking about co-living, it must have really went well. So No, but I don't want to underestimate the, the uh, in my previous world, I was a, a banker at Goldman Sachs. Right. And um, it was an incredible opportunity. Here, um, we're creating something brand new and yeah. exciting. And that, that's what's exciting about that. Okay, I think that's a good place to leave it. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited to work guys. with you guys uh, in the future. We're really excited to collaborate and uh, So can yeah, we sign up for 10,000 beds right now? <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Deal. He doesn't know where those are coming from though. Hey, thank you. Hi, everyone. This is the end of the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate, comment, subscribe, the whole nine yards. And if you could, even tell a friend. Have a great day.